Tell Us How to Make It Better is partnering with The Readiness Lab, the home for podcasts, webinars, and training in the field of emergency and disaster services. As a new mom and as you're entering this world of parenting, it can feel very daunting, isolating, and overwhelming. I'm George Siegel, and this is the Tell Us How to Make It Better podcast. Every week, we introduce you to people who are working on real-world problems and providing actual solutions. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's Tell Us How to Make a Better Podcast. If you're anything like me, you're looking around going, what is happening in this world? There are so many things going on on a daily basis that it seems like we have absolutely no control over. Well, the point of this podcast is we focus on things where we can actually do something to make a difference. My guest today is an Emmy-winning journalist, wife, and girl mom. She had her first baby during the pandemic, and it inspired her to help other new moms by creating the Moms Calling podcast and Baby Steps, a printable planner on Etsy. During her TV news career, she worked as an anchor and reporter for the NBC Bay Area station Fox Sacramento and News 12 in New York, and her work has been featured on CNN, CNBC, HLN, and Fox News. Allie Wolf, Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. I, I did your podcast. We're doing a podcast exchange thing. And um, I had a lot of fun. It was exciting. I, I understand I was the first guy to be on that. You were the first guy on Mom's Calling. And I think that you you brought a lot to the table. It was a great episode. So thanks. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you so much for having me. Now, what would you say is the primary problem you recognized and are trying to make a difference with with the planner and with your podcast each week? Yeah. So I think they seem very separate and Etsy, which is a planner and then a podcast, which is conversations. But for me, what ties them together is the fact that as a new mom and as you're entering this world of parenting, it can feel very daunting, isolating and overwhelming. So for me, it's about feeling not only organized and prepared, but also supported and like you're part of something because it's very hard to find that village and to figure it out. And I think we change so much as individuals that it can be hard to just navigate. And so that's what I try to tackle with both of my new creations. Now, when you got out of the news business, did you just look around and go, what am I doing? Did you feel lost at all? Because I know a lot of people, life after news is usually pretty good because it's, you have your freedom back. What was that like for you? Well, I think I had a very particular experience because I left after I was a freelancer for NBC and I had the opportunity to take a morning shift. And you know, the morning shift means you have to be in at 3, 3.30 a.m. And I knew I wanted to have children. I was married at this point and I decided I'm going to take a couple months off. So it started off as a little break. Um, we had the opportunity to move to Seattle with my husband's job, and we wanted a change. We wanted out of San Francisco, see what else is out there. And then the pandemic hit. And if you remember, it kind of all started in the Seattle area. So my three-month break turned into a long break. And I guess I forgot to mention, I got pregnant during that move. And so... I thought about going back, but as more time has passed, I've just, 
I can't, I can't see it. And I, I feel like I have evolved past my news days. And so, yeah, I didn't really know what to do. And it was a very difficult time because I was pregnant in a new city. So it took a lot of thinking, a lot of soul searching to try to figure out what are my skills? What am I good at? What do I want to fill this passion that I had for news and storytelling? And, you know, I think it's a process, but it's been a great experience for me as an individual to kind of work on myself. What things stand out the most that you think uh, moms struggle with, whether it's having to give up a career or put their career on the side burner? Is it feeling like you're left behind? Is it feeling, you know, the husband gets to go out and continue his life as normal and yours has to change? I mean, what, what kind of things were you experiencing? I think that it's a little bit of everything, but I think that there's this mom guilt and there's this feeling that no matter what you decide, if you're going to be a stay-at-home mom, if you're going to be a work-at-home mom, or if you're going to continue with your career and put your child in childcare, there's always that feeling where you look to what others are doing and you feel guilty, or you feel guilty your child's in childcare, or you feel like you're setting your career back. And so I think it's this really difficult thing where you have to figure out how to be okay with where you are and kind of embrace it because it's very difficult. I think that everyone's situation is, is a little different for me. I think it was going from being incredibly career oriented to being home with my baby and the identity shift was the challenge. Yeah. One thing I think you missed out on, and it's interesting to see what happened has happened with COVID if you're the mother of a new baby or the father and you're at home more, that's a very special time that you might miss if you had to go back to work. But if you had kids that are older and they're in elementary school or middle school, yeah, that's a whole other element that you have to deal with because you can't just put them down for a nap. They need constant supervision. You need to help them with school. So it's really, it's kind of been a mis mixed experience. Are you hearing different experiences from people? Yeah. And I think, I mean, during the pandemic, it's been so challenging. And I think it's even more challenging for pa parents of older children like you. But I think that I kind of missed out on that feeling of, oh, my friends are out doing these things or all these people are out doing these fun things because I'm stuck home with a baby and I can't leave. So everybody was home. I didn't have to feel like I was missing out. So I guess that's one perk, um, even though it was kind of a terrible time. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just a different, different experience. Yeah. If we had to homeschool our kids, I think we would, my wife and I would jump off a bridge. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's hard enough when they don't listen to you with regular things, but if they're, if you're also their teacher, it gives you a new respect for teachers as well. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I cannot imagine how challenging that was. I mean, I think we've all looked at parents and realized parents have a really tough job on top of whatever they do for their day job if they work. Yep. So who have been the most interesting, what's been the most fascinating guest that you've had on that maybe opened your eyes to something that you hadn't thought of before? Well, I think that the thread of the episodes that I love the most were people who were just so brutally honest. And I, I don't know if you find this, but people come on podcasts and really show a lot more vulnerability. So I had a doctor who 
had kind of an anxiety breakdown and um, now helps others. But she talked about how she attempted suicide multiple times and turned her life around. And then I also had a woman who was a corporate coach and she had these incredible parenting tips that made me think differently about parenting. So those two stand out. Um, I mean, I, I think I've just had so many moments in the podcast that I take these little gems away where you just learn so much from other people in their experiences. But those two definitely stand out as recent guests that really moved me. What's been your biggest challenge with trying to grow a podcast? Because it's a challenging thing to try to get attention for. Yeah, I think that the podcast world... So I had a podcast as a little backstory. I had a podcast when I worked for Fox 40 in Sacramento. It is a very different podcast. So I'm going to just tell you the story real quick. But there was this story called The East Area Rapist Golden State Killer. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that um, story from when you were in San Francisco, but it was a cold case. And since we were in Sacramento, we were on the ground. I began this kind of narrative podcast and we put it out. And then about a month after we put it out, the guy got caught and our podcast blew up and it was for a TV station. So I didn't have to worry about the marketing. I didn't have to worry about any promotion because it was promoted on television. And on top of that, this was a story that people all around the world were paying attention to. So that was my first experience. And Lots of people listened, hundreds of thousands. And then a couple of years later, I do my podcast and I realized the biggest challenge is the marketing and getting the podcast in front of people when you don't have that big media name behind you, if you're not part of NPR or one of these big um, kind of podcast networks. Mm -hmm. So that's been the big challenge is being an individual. And of course, you have people who follow your work and all of that, but you really need more than just a hundred people to really make a splash in the podcast world these days. Yeah. And, you know, as I've learned as a filmmaker, it's tough to get people to do something beyond what they normally do. So you're asking them to live their life and then go listen to your podcast. The whole nice thing about podcasts, they can do it while they're living their life, hopefully. But it's, it's tough. It's tough to get people to sit down and watch a documentary film. So have you found any techniques that you think bring an audience? Is it, is it guest-driven? Is it, do you have a pretty good base that you've, you feel they're going to show up for each show? Um, so I think it's a combination and I, so the, I have 30 episodes out right now, by the time this comes out, maybe more, but, um, it's a work in progress. And I think that it's hard to know exactly what's working when you're trying multiple things, but, um, I do Instagram and it's, what's really helped is when you post to your story, you can add a little link sticker. So people look at stories a lot. And if you put that sticker and you do a little preview, so I'll do these little video previews. That has been helpful. I think um, building relationships has been helpful in communities. So I'm a member of multiple Facebook groups for moms and all of that. So that's been helpful. And yeah, just being consistent, I think. And, and hopefully people know that, you know, Tuesday's the day that you release a podcast episode um, and you can't count on everyone to listen to every episode because they have lives. And as you said, 
taking time out of their day. And that's a big ask. And I think that's, again, that's challenging because I don't like to feel like a salesperson getting on there being like, Hey, listen, listen to my show. Um, but yeah, I think just being consistent on social media and just hoping that the consistency and the quality, uh, brings people back and, and that they're curious. Yeah. Being in those groups is supposed to be a a good way to get in there and you, you know, you find like-minded people that believe in your cause. I've had this lately on LinkedIn where I'll accept somebody's request and then they're marketing me right away, trying to sell me something or trying to push some product down my throat or the people that claim they can help you get a podcast following by getting you Apple podcast clicks and all that stuff. There's no shortcuts. It's, it's old school. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing is you don't want to be that person who's saying, Hey, I just met you, but like, you should really listen to this and they don't know who you are and why they should listen. So yeah, I think that it's tough because we've all been on the receiving end of a sales pitch and you just kind of want to turn away. So yeah, it's definitely, some people are incredible at it. I think like I'm the first one to admit that that's not my strong suit. I think I like the creation, but unfortunately, unless you have that big name behind you, you're going to have to do that side of it as well. Yeah. When I listen to ESPN in the morning and they talk about, oh, we're also available on a podcast and they have this huge platform. And I think you and I can relate to this as, as former news people. We didn't have to promote. We did our <laughs> job and it was the station's job to bring the audience. So when all of a sudden you're responsible for finding that audience, it's pretty scary. Right. And I think, you know, early in the conversation on my show, we were talking about the news business and the challenges and the things that just are not fun about being a a TV person. Uh, Part of that is that you are subject to this crazy schedule. Either you're working till 11 at night or you're starting at three in the morning. And, you know, even though you are not responsible for promoting your work, you have to be on their schedule. You have to work Thanksgiving and it's just the way it is. Um, so I think there's pros and cons to it, but I mean, here we are, I'm wearing slippers right now. And so that's pretty great. (laughs) So I always think it's fun if every now and then it doesn't happen very often anymore because people assume that I'm not looking for it. But when a job just falls in your lap where they're just hiring you to do something, and they've, they've got a plan and you just have to follow it. It's almost like a day off. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is I think that the podcast world is, I think it's going to be segmented differently. I mean, you've got shows that are simply shows, but you also, a podcast can be marketing. Maybe a business wants to have a podcast as sort of the marketing leg of their business. And so I think that it's kind of hard to know what's going to happen with this podcast world. It could become like that to where like you as a production company um, are producing podcasts for others. And and I'm curious to see where it all goes. And I think it's just nice to be in this new industry. Whereas I know when I was in television, I felt like everyone's on social media and getting their videos from Instagram or YouTube. And so it's nice to be on the newer side of technology. Yeah. I look at it as if you're producing podcasts for people, it's kind of like when you have a production company and they want you to shoot a wedding. You know, it's kind of like it's it's not really what I do. And, and, and I, I just don't know that that I don't know that people are going to have the money to make it worth paying for something like that. You know, I had people ask me to do weddings when I when I was more involved with my production company. Man, that's a scary thing. Can you imagine making the bride walk down a second time because you didn't like the way it went? I mean, you know, you can't do that. It's it's a live right. event. I wouldn't want any part of that. 
Um, right. You missed the cake cut. You missed the first kiss, whatever. And you missed it. <laughs> yeah. Or if you have a technical issue and then you have to explain to them why it didn't come out. I don't yeah. think I would too much pressure. I don't I don't think I would want right. that. Do you miss the adrenaline right. of TV news? The the live shot that you have to nail or the, the breaking story that you have to get right? Because a podcast isn't going to have that same rush. I really do. If I'm being honest, I think that I really lived for that. I mean, I, for so many years when I, when my husband and I were first dating, he knew that I would just, I remember there was a riot at the California state Capitol and there was like, it was insane. It was making national news. And I was sitting with him at a sushi dinner and I was just on my phone volunteering to go in scrolling Twitter for updates. And I was just a news junkie and it's what I lived for. If they asked me to go travel for a story, I was there, I would go, I would volunteer. And so, so I do miss that. But what I don't miss is when I had to sit in a van at 930 at night to stand in front of a dark building to present a story that I didn't feel was in- impactful. And I think that the highs are really high, but the reality is every day you're not going to get that story that really impacts people and that story that really is a career highlight. And I think it got in the way of life too much. And as a mother now, I just couldn't see juggling both. Yeah, I think people that haven't done that. I mean, I know people that were professional athletes and then they try to get that adrenaline, find something to replace that when they get out of there. I feel that's missing. I miss that aspect of the business as well. And so my wife will see me flipping around on a breaking news story to see what everybody's covering and how they're doing it. And, you know, running up to a live shot when you have five seconds, you're winded. They tell you you're live. I mean, there's very, you can't replace that. I I haven't got that from film. And I certainly don't get it from podcasting because if you and I say something stupid, I'm just going to edit it out. So it's not really the same. Right. And I I don't know if you ever heard, I think it's like astronaut syndrome um, that they call it, where if you've gone to the moon and you've done that, then you're always going to be chasing something as exciting. And there's not really that many other things that are comparable. Like, I don't know what would be comparable to reporting live on TV. Um, But I think that, yeah, that going back to one of your first questions was that was one of the biggest challenges for me was I felt like I had this huge passion um, and this, this huge career that meant so much to me. And I had to replace that. And I think that what I've learned is I don't have to replace that and like remove TV news and replace it with something else, but I can be just as fulfilled with the whole picture of my life and the elements that, that bring that satisfaction and that make you happy. And so that's how I think of it now. And I think of it more of as an evolution and that different times of your life, you focus more on career and other times you're going to focus on having, being there at night. I mean, having dinner with your family, little things like that, which I think I would think was boring at a certain time in my life. Like how could that be just as satisfying to me? But, but yeah, that's where I am now. And I, I think that's just where I am in this moment. And hopefully in the future, I can put more into my career when my kids are in school, but you know where you're going to get that adrenaline is when your daughter is on social media and she starts liking boys <laughs> and you have to start dealing with that because I'm telling you, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, there's a lot ahead. And it's like, I think when I was getting into parenting and, you know, I made all these checklists and I did all that and I was preparing myself as I was working on, on my Etsy and everything. And then I was just thinking about the first year of parenting and the first, even the first six months or just the newborn stage. 
and it's so hard to think of your baby and your toddler being a teenager because it's so far away. But um, yeah, I don't know. I can't really prepare that far in advance and just I'm happy that she's still at her cute, innocent stage. I've told my daughter, she's 11 now. I said, you were so cute until you started talking. And when you started (laughs) opening your mouth and talking back, because she, from a very young age, she's very strong willed. I mean, she's an amazing child, but once they start interacting back with you and then start rolling their eyes and start, you know, that stage where they just are sitting there in a chair smiling and spitting up is actually, you long for those days at some point. I know. And I think what I've, what I've, well, I guess I say, I know, but I don't fully know yet, but I think what I've learned is it's such a balance of loving the stage you're in, but really being excited for that next stage. Like, I'm so excited to see the type of person you become. But at the same time, I know I'll miss this stage. So it's like this push and pull of being in the moment and being, you know, curious. Who are you? What is your personality going to be? Take a lot of pictures. That's uh, <laughs> that's a great way to, to remember it. So what advice do you have for other people if they're considering, and, and in your case, particularly moms, they're going, I need to get back into something. I, I have my family now. I have a child or two, but now I need to find something else. What, what would you tell them? I would say try things. And this is why, because I think that it's really hard to find what you want to do. I think that some people, a lot of us are still adults and we don't know really what we're going to ultimately do or it's going to evolve. And I think the only way to know if you like something or don't like something is to try. I tried my mom is in sales and I tried her sales job. I went through a training. This was right when I moved to Seattle. It involved cold calling people and learning about financial things. I won't bore you with the details, but essentially my point is I hated it, but I tried it. And then I tried other things and I tried making a website and I tried learning how to code. And I tried all these things as I was trying to figure out what do I want to do next? And I considered a lot, some I actually dabbled in, but I really believe that you have to continue exploring and looking. And I think that it will never fall in your lap unless you're incredibly lucky. I mean, few people will have opportunities literally fall in their lap. So I think as long as you are trying and dabbling and exploring and learning, you will find it. Looking for opportunities, exploring your network, thinking about at the core, what do you really like doing? Do you love creating? And that doesn't have to mean I, I like to paint or write. It can mean I just like having a project that's mine that I start and I see through? Um, Or do you like working on a team? Do you like working individually? Do you like working from home? That's an option now. Do you like going into an office and seeing people face to face? So I think it's a lot of different questions, but really just that exploration and having, you know, nothing off limits, not thinking about what your mom wants you to do or your sister or your old coworkers. So. Yeah. Now we're in a field that's very crowded. So if, podcasting for some reason, and I've listened to your show, I enjoyed it. If it, if it was something that you go, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. What would you see yourself doing? That's a tough question. I mean, I think that what I have learned is that I need to create. So I read this book, Big Magic. It was by the same woman who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And it was so inspiring to me because it was about creativity. And it so clicked for me. And if anybody thinks they're even remotely creative, I recommend it. But what I learned about myself through reading, reading that is that I need to be involved in something that I 
start with and I see to fruition. So I also know that I like working on a team. So maybe I will get a job one day where I'm working on video projects or audio projects. Um, I don't know what it will look like. I just know it has to be creative. And I think that there's so much that can be done with media that isn't TV news. And so I don't have a specific answer for you, but I know it has to do with having a project that didn't exist and is created. And I also know it has to do with people. You know, I've got one for you because have you ever been on a cruise? Yes. Okay. My wife and I were on a cruise and everybody at the table, you know, you're sitting with strangers pre-COVID and everybody says what they did or what their profession was. And I said, I was a family spokesperson. Um, and I was just making it up. I just didn't feel like talking about myself. And <laughs> Everybody was fascinated by that. And I was asked a million questions. That would be a great job, especially with our broadcasting backgrounds, to be the face that the family trots out there to clean up their mess. I think that might be an interesting job. I think that these days there is a job for everything. I've, in, in this podcast world, you know, you see a lot of people who will then start reaching out to you and wanting to be on your podcast. I've learned that there's a coach for everything. Yeah. There's a self-care coach. There's a parenting coach. There's a life coach. So there's so many jobs out there that I think that it's just having this abundant mindset of if you think that you can do it and you think that you can make a job, you can either probably find that job or create it. It's just such a different time. Well, if anybody's listening that needs a family spokesperson, I'm throwing my hat <laughs> in the ring for that just so I can. There uh, you go. If I ever run into anybody from that cruise, they will, uh, they will know that I wasn't making it up. Um, <laughs> so how do people find you? How do they listen to your podcast? How would they get your, your planner? What's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah. So people can find my podcast basically anywhere, Apple, Spotify, um, any podcast listening app. I also have a website, awolftv.com, A and then wolf like the animal. Um, my planners are on Etsy, The Baby Steps, and they're also linked on my social media, which is Mom's Calling Podcast or awolftv. And I will put all those in the show notes so, uh, so people can find them. And, um, you know, I, I hope this thing is a, is a roaring success for you. I, I, I wish you the best. It was fun having you on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me today on the Tell Us How to Make a Better podcast. I would love to get your feedback on what you were listening to or other past episodes that you've listened to on our website, tellushowtomakeitbetter.com. There's a contact form. You can fill that out and let me know your thoughts. I'd like to read them here on the show and also respond to you and do something so you can tell me how to make it better. Also, if you have any ideas for guests, let me know about them too. You can do that on the same contact form. Thanks again for listening today. See you next time. It's time for emergency preparedness to go mainstream. Smart, innovative, practical solutions that match your needs. Instinct Ready educates, prepares, and equips the everyday person for disaster. With promo code Make It Better, you can access comprehensive preparedness courses and premium go bags. Visit instinctready.com with promo code Make It Better today. Preparedness starts at home.